0: Welcome to Human Factors Cast, your weekly podcast for all things Human Factors, Psychology, and Design.
1: Hey, today is October 10th, 2020, and this is Human Factors Cast. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Blake Arnsdorf and a couple construction members outside my hallway there. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a few members of the Human Factors community today. We're doing a retrospective on Human Factors and Ergonomic Society 2020 conference. It's been a little different this year. Yeah, and here at the top of the show, I just want to welcome everyone who may have joined us for the first time over this last week. Uh, We are... Happy to have you with us here on this podcast adventure that we call Human Factors Cast. Uh, It's a weekly podcast where we talk about, well, you guessed it, human factors, psychology, and design. Uh, And this week, we're taking a specific look at the uh, HFES 2020 uh, conference. Blake, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, man. Unfortunately, I was not
2: able to make it to any of the conference this week. So I'm excited to listen to your perspective, of course, but also people that are able to join us today to get a sense of what it was like to have a virtual HFES.
1: Yeah, I know you got busy this week and didn't really have a chance to uh, jump in, but um, you know, I so a couple things here at the top. Um, I had a ton of fun jumping into all these uh, threads with all the folks from our Slack. So if you've been involved with any of that throughout the week, thank you so much. We really appreciate all the engagement. Uh, it was a ton of fun to kind of sit and just uh, chat about some of these, um, some of these. Uh, presentations, panels and stuff going on. Like I mentioned, there's construction going on outside. We picked a really bad time to do a podcast today. It's okay. Um so yeah, uh I guess what we can do here is just kind of talk briefly about my experience, um kind of what the virtual format looked like and then uh you know, we'll we'll kind of open it up to other folks um to kind of hear about their experiences. Uh so for me, I just want to say like it was a, it was actually really great. I I thought it was a great time. Um, the virtual format was was uh, interesting. So um, they actually had it set up like if you were in the lobby of a hotel. Right. So uh, and, and then on this lobby, you have different, I guess, virtual screens uh, for different rooms that you could go into. So you could either pick, um, you know, the the poster sessions, you can go to the technical um, discussions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, trying to pull it up here so I can recite it. Um verbatim but uh yeah so so basically they had a bunch of options where you can go to different places of this virtual building uh and aside from that they have like this left navigation bar where you can actually plan out your agenda and click right on the link so that way you can get to things that are important to you that you thought that you wanted to go to um they also have like an intro video for every day uh, which kind of tells you what's going on for each day um and then uh I guess the other thing is that you know you can see kind of everybody there in the hello, attendee hello. directory the oh day. yep this there is- it is <laughs> uh so you can um you can kind of see uh and you, you can actually connect with people too which was uh you know one of the biggest things that uh, i was worried about here was because um, you know not being in a physical environment you're not able to really connect with folks But I didn't really, I I didn't find that a problem at all. You know, I noticed a lot of names, reached out to folks, um, and uh, I almost felt like the virtual event was um, a stronger uh, contender for, uh, I I liked this format a lot, and I'm sure we'll hear from um, some of the other folks on the line a little later. Um, But uh, for me, I think, you know, uh, one of my favorite discussions was, um, it was the, uh, chats with like leadership um, and some of the discussion panels that had a lot of really good uh, chat. But oh, and that's that's another thing too. On each of these like chats, there was like a, a, a or I guess each of these discussion panels or or um, lectures, there were chat uh, boxes at the bottom where you could actually go in and you can. Um, Jeez, that construction is so distracting. Uh, you can actually go in and ask questions to the to the folks, and so the moderators would actually take those questions and, and uh, send them to the folks that were presenting. It was really good, uh, and I can see some room for improvement, but like for hastily putting this together, I guess not so hastily, they had since March, but this is a very cohesive experience. Really thought it was a great, um, a great uh, substitute for the real thing obviously not the same as the real thing. Um, But I guess that's kind of my experience uh, with it. So, I I mean, we can talk about this a little bit later, but I do want to open it up to some of the other folks on the line. So I know we have Rose with us. Um, Rose, would you mind uh, just kind of, um, so for the folks on the line, I just want to kind of get a sense, uh, because we do try to talk about uh this from a variety of perspectives, right? We want to know kind of where you're coming from, industry, academia, where you're at in your career, kind of how many conferences you've attended in the past. Um and then we'll kind of ask you just, you know, overall thoughts on the conference. Like I just gave, uh did you like the virtual or in person or do you want something mixed or something different? Um, and then what's your favorite presentation or discussion and then anything else you'd like to share? So, so Rose, I'll open it up to you. Sure. Well,
3: I am in Florida. That's the first thing. Um, we're in different schedules completely. And that was one of the beauty, you know, the beautiful things of the virtual conference, I must say. Uh, I am coming from uh, industry. I actually work on forensic consulting. It's most of my work. So we apply those you know, human factors and ergonomics expertise, biomechanics in my case as well um, into accident investigation. Um, I actually did my PhD at Michigan and my undergrad in Puerto Rico, all you know, coming through human factors uh, and ergonomics. And um, yeah, so about the conference, I must say that I do enjoy the virtual one. I must admit that I didn't have high expectations uh, and you actually surpassed every expectation. So it was, uh, I mean, there's always rooms for improvement. There's always things that can be better. Uh, we had, I was just in a session, um, right before this, and there was some technical difficulties actually that they had to bring in the organizers to fix it. It was a uh, system safety, uh, something like that. So we can expect that, you know, nothing's perfect, but overall it seemed to run pretty smoothly. And like you said, those, um, chats all those networking socials game nights beer tasting uh they yeah, tried so to make it fun
1: that's all awesome. i ask you about those because i didn't go to any of those uh like yeah. game nights or beer tasting i one of the members of our slack actually went to the wine tasting and they they were talking about um chocolate and uh something. I Forgive me. <laughs> I, need, I need to look at it. But the chocolate tasting was a video tour of the uh, Esther Price factory in Ohio. Uh, no samples, but the host mentioned the warming chocolate coated bourbon cherries for three seconds in the microwave. Uh, and now they know what everyone is getting for <laughs> Christmas. So uh, would you mind just kind of sharing what those uh, types of events were like? Because like you said, you know, a lot of that conference was uh, we're, we're competing with sort of real life as well. Uh, I think a lot of people... Uh, myself included, both tried to tackle work and the conference at the same time this this year. And, uh, you know, but um, so kind of juggling and I wasn't able to attend everything. But the beauty of this type of conference is that everything's recorded. You can go back and view it later. But what were some of those uh, those beer tasting and, and tours like?
3: And you're right about that. Uh, in my case, um, I'm Eastern time, so it was later for me. So it's good and bad because I ended up having a whole day of full work like you're saying and juggling between the conference but then at the end of the night um you know at my my time it was like 7 p.m 8 p.m that you know I wouldn't be full-time working so I did engage the beer tasting was pretty cool um I wish that there was just like a cap of you know it um, ended up being the the owner of a local brewery uh, tell, t- telling us how to taste it it was really funny because she was actually opening the beers and showing it to us and drink, drinking them herself and you're just there like i kind of want to taste it now i can see you it looks good um so some of us were drinking our beers on the side you know and sharing which ones were they and people joking like i went i said i went basic because i did a pumpkin uh order you know that i was joking like i like weird one. so this was a smoky beer and others are like oh i hate smoky so we were having some conversations in the chat but at the end of the day we didn't have enough time to actually socialize in that one um
1: yeah was it was it like one of those was it one of those 30 minute zoom calls
3: it was a one hour and it ended up being the whole hour her talking about the beers that it was pretty good we learned a lot but we could have been you know 30 minutes of the actual showcasing and then 30 minutes up right everybody sharing
1: and then game night
3: and game night was more of that like the making fun of other people if you're uh pretty bad at it you know you make fun of yourself or the opposite so that one was a little bit more engaging in the networking portion right like everybody was talking um it, they they did a pretty good job, you know. It's it's very hard to host so thing something virtual and then get people to engage, and not have those like silent moments. um Yeah. So it, it, it ended up wor- working out at least the ones that I joined.
1: So so what games did you play? I mean, did you do something that was like a screen share of like a like like a Jackbox games, or did you do something where? uh it was more collaborative in nature just kind of curious or did that, you do that's like what I tabletop thought. stuff
3: i thought they were gonna do jackbox or something that would be easier but i'm actually glad that they did not because jackbox for example is one that you actually don't end up talking because you have the the machine doing everything and then you're just right on your phone uh i joined the trivia and i'm very bad at it okay And um, so it was uh, fun, because what they did is that they shared their screen with a PowerPoint that uh, I think his name was Jonathan, the one that hosts ours. Uh, He prepared some of the questions, and then we were sharing an Excel, like Google Excel, where it was, you know, a trust system that you were putting your points in there. And at the end, it it was just, yeah, sharing the screen and a Google Excel was pretty simple. and ended up working out just fine
1: that's pretty that's awesome good. i'm glad yeah it's cool that we can make these types of events work even um even virtually like the the beer tasting thing that to me i know um other folks have said like if you sign up for a beer tasting well in advance they'll send you like a uh like a sample right they'll, they'll send you like a, a array of the beers that which they'll talk about um during the actual tasting and that's that's kind of a cool approach um so um yeah. So, so did you have a preference for virtual or in person, or did you want something kind of going forward in a like a post-COVID world? Right. Thinking about what this conference could be in the future, what what do you see HFES um, like? What what lessons learned can they take from this and and uh, bring forward?
3: Well, I mean, um, now that we know that it can happen, I think it it would be interesting to see if they could do a hybrid where if people, maybe even, you know, different uh, fees, right? Like if it's in virtual or in-person or having both, like having access to, because in-person is the same thing, right? One of the beauties of this is that I was able to have three different sessions open and then I would jump really fast and uh, even have two different screens with things. And I would just like pause the audio on one and turn on the audio on the other one. Um, In-person, you have to stand up, leave, run to the other session the other level floor you know depending where it is so
1: hope that it hasn't started yet yeah
3: exactly so i think that having um hybrid would be beneficial um knowing that it can be done and um, you know if you cannot join everything there you have that possibility as well so it would be interesting to see what they come up with next year
1: yeah uh i i completely agree i think um You know, from my perspective, one of the things that I was kind of hoping for, but I understand why it's not there yet, is the ability to click on specific presentations that you wanted to see within these discussion panels, right? So, like, let's say I was only interested in that third presentation or the last presentation from a certain panel. I want to be able to click on that and just see that, right? Segment them out into these uh, 10, 15-minute videos, um, but, you know, you can still scan through the older ones, I think. I, I haven't actually tried to go back and watch any of the ones that have been archived yet. Um, I'm assuming you can uh, scan. But one of my favorite features was the 2x uh, playback speed. So <laughs> You can go back agree, and yeah. just watch everything at two times the speed and still get all that information uh, cause people speak really slowly and that's fine, right? You want to make sure you're communicating effectively. Believe me, I know I talk way fast on this podcast sometimes, but, uh, I listen to it at twice the speed, you know, I listen to all my podcasts at twice the speed. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's great. Um, did you have a favorite presentation or discussion?
3: I do. I would say overall, um, one that did grab my attention was, uh, I think it was, let me go. GS3 was the Designing for Diversity, Implications for Research and Practice. And uh, I mean, this is something that I'm passionate about. I'm a very active advocate of diversity, equity and inclusion outside of HFPS and other organizations, etc. So something that I always poke around and see what are the presentations this year. And I must say that they surprised me. Um, I think they're going finally in the right direction. And uh, this, this session was really engaging and you can tell that the participants in the panel were actually knowledgeable that it's something that sadly I didn't see in other years. Um, So it it was something good to see that they were going in the right direction. Like I said, that it's people that, you know, that they know that they're talking about and they're actually part of the committees. And now I see that growing.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I, unfortunately, I think was caught up with something else during the diversity panel. And then I saw someone on Twitter was saying something about all the diversity panels happening around the same time. And so it was really difficult for them to get to all of them. Uh, And for such an important topic, right, you know, it it should be kind of spread out throughout the event to make sure that folks can get to it. Uh, But I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad uh, you got a lot out of it. I'm definitely going to check that one out myself um, and, and highly recommend that uh, anyone else check it out as well. Uh, Anything else you'd like to share about your experience with HFES this year?
3: Um, no, I mean, overall, like I said, um, something interesting for me was that I didn't expect any of the socialization that you would get in person. And that uh, although of course you're in your home, I still got uh, a lot of it that, that, like I said, it surprised me, it, it surpassed my expectations on that regard for sure. Cause I was able to connect with new people. I keep getting, you know, LinkedIn notifications people adding you sending you messages let's collab you know um or just connect so it's something that um it, it was good you know like we were able to see that
1: yeah i i i was also very thrilled with it this year uh well thank you so much i really appreciate you coming on and and talking to us about your experience uh we have another person on the line here yadriana Uh, Would you mind uh, just kind of letting us know kind of where you're at in your career, where you're coming from, industry, academia, um, how many conferences you've attended before?
4: Uh, Yes. So I am right now in academia. I finished my my PhD this year and now I'm doing my postdoc at the University of Michigan. And I forgot what other question you asked me.
1: Uh, How many HFES conferences have you attended in the past?
4: I cannot recall. I think I have been attending for the past few years, probably five or six every year.
1: Okay, so you, you, you've been to a couple and kind of know the drill. Um, okay, so uh, I guess let's just go ahead and get into it. What are your overall thoughts on the conference just in general?
4: I like the Bealful was a really good solution for what we are going on right now. Um, I have like mixed feelings. I don't feel it's my preference as a conference because um, I think that you miss that connection of the after- conversation the halfway conversation after a presentation is not as easy as to follow up when you ask a question and also there is some questions that you don't want to ask in front of everybody because you feel like you can be considered mean or so so I miss being able to like grab someone on the side and ask the questions that I want and that easy way to like follow up and also like this week feels like it's a same week as any other week I just have like another 20 things added to it which is like kind of hard Um, but it's been good I like that you can revisit the talks and all of that but also it's been really hard because of the social and I think I have heard from other people that have kids that it's been really hard to join the after hours event because it's really hard to separate from oh I'm at a conference but also I have my kids at home so Speak
1: one and stick with it. Yeah, I I definitely got cut off on a couple Zoom calls uh, where I was trying to like interact with folks uh, before the chat closed. Um, and so, yeah, those after conversations don't really happen. I can definitely feel for the folks that have kids. Um, you know, it's it's difficult. And, you know, I, I took a half week at work. So like I'm taking half time. Um, and I'm working the other half of the time and yeah bouncing between your normal sort of commitments to real life and then going to this virtual conference that was a very it was a challenge for I'm sure a lot of folks um you know I, I could have taken the whole week off but I thought I could do it and it impacted me more than I thought it would um so I, I feel you there as well it, like you said any other week just with 20 extra things added on to it yeah. Um,
4: so- it's also about perception. Okay. You're still in your space. You're still really close to who you work with. So it's really hard to say no because you're still there. You're still present. Um, everyone knows where you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. Um, I agree. Rose brought up a great point. It'd be nice to uh, have the chance to post questions anonymously. Um, I, I also agree with that. I think that's uh, an awesome idea, and maybe maybe HFES can implement that in the future. Um, I can see a, I can see a world in the future where if we do take this hybrid approach going forward, right? Maybe folks online can ask questions um, and submit them anonymously or whatever, and and the folks in the room could actually um, have a discussion on those questions as well, uh, and it could could work out even better. Um, so I, I guess you kind of hinted at it. Uh, I think your your preference here is more in-person, um, just because of the kind of personal touch that you get with other people, and it's focused. You don't have the distractions. Is that? Am I right there?
4: Yes, you are right there. I think I prefer to go in-person and completely disconnect and just enjoying the conference for the whole week without needing to worry about other things.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, yes. <laughs> That, that definitely was a point for a lot of folks, too. Um, so you're not alone. Everyone's balancing everything. Did you have a favorite discussion or presentation that you attended?
4: Yes, I enjoyed the same one that Rose did. I enjoyed the designing for diversity. And I feel it was really important to bring it up this year because we keep talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. But this is something that needs to translate to our studies and how we keep like designing and like improving because it's really easy to say, oh, let's keep increasing diversity, equity, and inclusion, but our studies are still only talking about females and males, and we exclude everyone else, or we try to make people fit in these two criteria because it's easier for us to analyze the data and deal with the data. So that was something really interesting. And there were some amazing points that were brought up about just ask the questions and then try to make it fit and trying to explain the importance of like asking those questions and have those kind of factors um there
1: yeah it data needs to reflect real life and i feel oftentimes we kind of categorize things into just buckets to make things easier and it it, yeah it really does just need to we need to kind of be more inclusive like there's no other way to say it and and i'm I'm so thrilled that that panel was so um, uh, widely received as uh, so positively received, I guess. I am going to attend that like tonight. I'm going to go and watch that uh, because I I really want to see that. Yeah, Rose, you want to jump in here and talk about inclusion?
3: Oh, yeah. So something that um, about, you know, now that Adriana mentioned that um, (laughs) a lot of folks we were talking about the, the fact of inclusion, we were complaining not of the good, you know the bad things as well, right? that there wasn't an option to get the closed caption for people. Um, and so in this case you know if you cannot hear or you cannot hear well, um, closed captions for the presentations would have been great And well, at least the panels. And uh, opposite, I actually was perusing a lot of the posters and then some folks didn't record any audio. They were just walking through the slides in their video. So it's the same idea, right? Like there's no audio at all. So everything is visual. So it was, it could be pretty hard for people if they have visual impairments. So it's, you know, the same idea on the, you know, inclusion in our studies, it would be also relevant to implement it on the conferences, right? As human factors and ergonomics professionals.
2: Yeah. Cause that's some major accessibility features that seem to be, to be missing from everybody's perspective, just for others that are either impaired or maybe even the benefit of being able to mute something and watch it while you're, you know, doing something else at work or trying to take care of one of your kids, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. So I, I do want to say I had this, I had the, um, designing for diversity panel just really quick. I had this panel up. I wasn't paying as close attention as I probably should have. Um, but we did have a group thread going on the Slack. Uh, and I want to bring up a couple, um, uh, a couple fun things here uh, that, we're, that we were talking about in the Slack thread. So there was a concern, you know, that, that the U.S. was uh, focused on the, the weird demographic, right? Western, educated, industrial, rich, democratic, all that stuff. Um, Margo, who's in our Slack, says that Rod Roscoe's presentation on inclusive sampling strategies is really good. Um, and I think that... Uh, that slide deck has been posted on that chat, so they actually have the link to that slide deck. I think it's in the Dropbox. Um, there was, and feel free to jump in if if there's any additional points you'd like to make about this. Since this was kind of the favored um, discussion of the conference for those people here, I think you know it's worth at least highlighting a little, uh, a couple of key points here from it. Um, there was another key point uh, that Margot brings up about uh hfe work in the social sector relies heavily on having a trusting network it may be necessary to have a second main practice while you're building the relationships um let's see here what else do we have uh make oh yeah that's right this was the one with the demographic info i do remember this right it's the thinking about the reasons why you're requesting certain demographic information um why the variability in this specific factor might impact your research um, and making sure that, you know, your sample size actually reflects the population that you're studying, right, re- you know, in re- re- with respect to asking for gender ethnicity during that data collection. So there was a lot of great conversation, actually, in our Slack, too, um, if you want to use that as kind of supplemental uh, content while you're watching this panel. I do remember I jumped in about halfway through that one. Um, so I-, I need to go back and watch, like, the first half. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. What else? Okay. So, so that's the kind of the favorite discussion. Yeah. Adriana, is there anything else you'd like to share with us about the conferences here?
4: No, I think it was, it was great considering everything is going on and hopefully we can find a happy medium for the following years. So people who cannot fly or people who has like time limitations can join and also like get the benefit of the conference. Um, so that is great. And it's something that proves that can be done. So there is, not reason not to try it again
1: yeah i, would I also, agree
3: oh, sorry that um just jumping on the, the like we were talking for, because of the diversity uh you know a lot of students usually don't have that many resources to go especially undergrads and perhaps having that hybrid option would make them you know at least join um virtually because it would be way less in their pocket so uh it would it, be interesting to see if we could like get the stats and the numbers and see who joins right uh in person versus virtually as well and compare the demographics
1: yeah i agree and i think you know from for me i'm i'm someone in industry and i know Blake is too and so it's like for for people like us there was actually a really great talk with um it was a networking event it was about you know uh actually how can we make um the sort of so what from the academic research accessible to the practitioners right and and i thought that was a really great sort of conversation so like, the, i think it sure. was
3: me who brought it up on the it was on the networking uh um, yeah bringing you to academia yeah i literally said that uh, you know it could be as simple as having one slide that just says the so what yeah so what for yeah, us yeah
2: apply version of this or what does it look like in the field that's something that i think nick and i have gone back and forth with a lot of different people over the past few years about like what like hfas is wonderful in the organization has a lot of benefits but i think for applied people there's a little bit that's lacking or more that can be done and that was that was a question i wanted to ask both of you as well because unfortunately i didn't get to attend any sessions this week Um, But I know diversity is on everybody's mind. And one thing that I was hoping from HFES, because I knew that it was going to be a more central theme during this year, is like, what does it look like? Or did they have any content about how you can create more diverse, you know, a more diverse HFES? Or how do you bring it to your own culture where you work? Kind of, again, looking for that applied way to bring diversity outside of just research, but into your own culture that you're working with.
3: That's an interesting question. I think they they did talk about, I didn't attend all of them because like Nick said, some of them were overlapping. Um, sure, the yeah. The ones that I did, they were um, more in the research perspective and how you should think about it in the research as well. Uh, not much in the professional side. So it's still lacking on that, or like how us in industry could bring it up as the HFE, you know, professionals. Um, so that would be an interesting topic right to try to focus on our area as well as practitioners versus the academic. Um but I didn't see that much Nick or Julian. Did you guys see something more on the practitioner
1: side? Not as much as I'd like. Um <laughs> you know I think that's a, that's a that's a tricky question and I think you know Blake I'm thinking back to the conversation that we had with Chris Reed about diversity and inclusion and how we can sort of as a society um, make things better, uh, you know, for historically underrepresented folks. And, um, you know, I think Chris kind of brought that up with the meeting with uh, leadership. But I, again, I don't know if there was a, a specific forum for all that type of conversation that actually deserves its own place, I, I think. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Adriana, did you see anything?
4: no, not really, um...
3: I think the most that we saw was that they're starting to ramp up the um, affinity groups and they're, you know, there's a people of color that it might change names, but it's something, you know, in relation to that. Um, and they were just maybe like 10 to 20 people overall, so they're starting. Hopefully at some point they keep going up to to bring that forum and then they would host their own sessions, you know, or at least support the sessions and bring those things. But no, not as a, a keynote, right? Like something that anybody, everybody in the conference, you're basically obligated to attend that versus the, you know, divide yourself between four or five seconds. Right. So we didn't see something like that.
1: Yeah, it's an important enough topic to, to bring it up as a keynote and, and I really do hope that uh, you know Chris post, uh, pushes for something like that as a keynote address, um, you know, in the future. Here, uh, it, speaking of the keynote, uh, did everyone here attend the keynote? Obviously, Blake didn't. But uh, what what did we think of that cybersecurity um, discussion?
3: Sadly, I did not. That's one that I ended up getting the the scoop from the your slack channel (laughs) oh yeah yeah you guys were doing a good job giving some of the uh feedback you know what's going on but I, i was not able to attend like you said just juggling between work and you know meetings and coming back and forth
1: yeah i'm trying to find that uh that thread so we have group threads in the in the slack channel right now um to kind of talk about some of these uh panels that happened and yeah that keynote thread I'll try to um I'll try to just list a couple things here. Uh so they talked about like a nutrition label idea for internet of things devices to kind of show you what cybersecurity things uh you might be at risk for. Um they talked about uh oh yeah use a password manager, here's your here's your reminder if you don't already use one, use a password manager. Uh, you know, they talked about sort of guessability of passwords. Um, and let's see here. Oh, yeah, there was only um, time for one question at the end of it. And this is another thing that I feel like was a was a major issue with the conference this year is that there were certain time blocks, right, an hour and a half for some of these discussions. And then once you hit the limit, it cut it off and the discussion ended. And it, it felt uh, very... Um, like <laughs> silencing of people's voices at sometimes because it was like right in the middle of a great discussion and then suddenly it just ends. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, going forward, shouldn't have that.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that they're trying to keep a schedule, but I think we needed some margin of error with like shutting down the conversations because it happens even in real life. So it was yeah. like, kind of unrealistic to try to like just cut it off of like 1 30. So I think there was like a probably like another five minutes and probably. Like a heads up, like the session is about to close, like wrap up your thoughts. And it was like nothing like that.
1: You could oh. do that or you could even you could even, uh, you know, extend it out. I, I I think in the virtual format, it makes sense because in, in real life you have, you know, folks coming into the room um, after you and it's like, OK, well, let's just move this conversation out into the hallway. And to me, that's what extending that conversation could be like um why stunt discussion when you could have more sorry I cut I cut you off go ahead
3: um so I did present on Monday so I was able to see you know behind the scenes right like we get the zoom link and we're getting there um I think I'm I'm having mixed feelings about this because I kind of like that it would cut and then you're able to change without missing much because it ended and the other one started So that's good because sometimes in person, they could keep going and going.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Uh, But uh, on the other hand, uh, I wish they they had something at least that they would have even, you know, the HFES person telling you, you have five minutes, you have three minutes, you have one minute so that you can see some sort of timer that, yeah, it will tell the person you need to wrap up. You have five seconds to wrap up because that was one of the main issues, right? Like They could keep talking and then all of a sudden it's done so it's something telling the presenters and moderators you know whoever is wrapping up saying hey you have one minute you have 30 seconds you have 10 seconds it would have been cur- very helpful
1: yeah some kind of warning system i think that's that's probably a good compromise um and maybe like a five minute buffer you know yeah I'm um good. okay Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. You
4: probably like enforce the real timing of the presentations because there were sessions that they only have like ten minutes left for questions at the end, and you watch already five presentations, so we're not enough time to ask questions to the presenters, or the chat was already so full of questions that there was not room for any follow up or any other question after those. Nick, you mentioned yeah,
1: the two
3: one... X. There were some posters yeah. presentations because they were capped at five minutes. And if you notice, they actually recorded themselves and then they they I think what they did is that they thought it was too long and they 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 sped it up, sped it up. So it would be like, what (laughs) the heck, this is still a 10 minute presentation. Um, so that's something, you know, to give feedback to the presenters, please just normal speed, the minutes that they tell you, (laughs) you know.
1: Yeah, and I guess, I, so I, I wasn't behind the scenes on any of this stuff, so I don't know how any of this worked, but um, I I noticed that some people were recording um, live, and some people were uh, had, had prepared ahead of time. Was there any direction from leadership as to what was preferred?
3: The preferred method, at least I can speak as a presenter, um, podium, right? That would have been podium, not poster. Um, right. it's they you had 12 minutes cap to record your video and you needed to submit your video at a certain date. It was like maybe a week and a half before Monday. And then there were two sessions for presenters that you could join and they would walk you through to how it works, the system. And they walk us through before it opened up to general public, um, you know, all the members, the, the platform. So we had if you join one of those things that you would you would have had a better idea and they were um requiring, but at the end of the day, I guess it was more of the encourage of you know submitting your video and it had to be less than 12 minutes and they had a lot of um, information on how to record. You know, if people didn't know they're not that tech savvy that you could use PowerPoint and screen share or you could right. it, do via it Zoom. I ended up using Webinar Jam. So, you know, whatever you have. Um, so they they did to some extent, but at the end of the day, it's between requirement and then it went, ended up being the soft line of encouragement, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, I really especially appreciated the folks that took the time to edit their videos (laughs) down to, um, you know, something that was a little bit, uh, a little bit more focused, um. I see Adriana, Adriana, you had to go. Thank you so much for jumping in and, and talking with us. Uh, really appreciate your feedback. Uh, thank Thanks you so for much.
4: for having me. Until next time. Bye.
1: Bye. Thank you. Well, I think that's as good a time as any to take a quick break. And we'll uh, be back to talk a little bit more about HFES right after this.
0: Human Factors Cast strives to bring you the best in Human Factors Chatter every week. We pack news, interviews, reviews, and overall fun conversations into each and every product that we put our seal of approval on. But we can't do it without you. You see, the Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener-supported. All the funds that go into running this show come from the listeners. That's why we're giving back to our supporters on Patreon, now more than ever. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like 24-7 access to our exclusive Human Factors Cast Slack channel, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Cast Infinite, a Patreon-only podcast where the topic is Human Factors, etc. We're always updating our rewards, so stop by patreon.com slash cast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you all, and remember, it depends.
1: All right. And we're back. So, so yeah, I think the, um, I I really enjoyed the presentations that were very pared down and, and focused. Uh, and you could tell that they like had multiple takes on the slides, you know, it's like, oh, this was the good take. This is where they didn't mess up their speech at all. And I think that really helped the communication of some of these concepts in some of these presentations, at least for me. Um, you know, when, when you're looking at, You know, and not everyone's a YouTube editor. Not everyone knows how to do that. But to me, that really helped facilitate that communication of concepts. Um, And it wasn't them just kind of sitting and and. um, uh, What's the word reading off the slide? You know, that's at least that's from my perspective. Did you uh, have a preference on any of those?
3: Yeah, um, of course, the ones that were edited would be better um, unless it was that they actually sped it up. (laughs) um, Yeah, I I agree. There were some that they recorded themselves and they were coughing and things like that, that you could for sure know that they didn't take the time to actually just make another take or edit a little bit, trim it. Um, Those were easier to see. Even then, it's very hard. I don't know how you guys do it. Like I edited mine. Um, I made the point of making it short. Mine was six minutes instead of 12. Um, you know, when straight to the point, if you want more details, go to the paper uh, and just give you, a you know, the 10K perspective, right? And, right. Um, it you know, to try to keep it engaging. And still, it was really hard, the audio between me and my co-presenter when I was trying to edit it back and forth. And like you said, like, I'm not, you know, this is not my full-time job. So I was just like trying to make it good enough that I would appreciate it if I was on the other end. But um so when I saw other people doing that, I, I did appreciate it as well. So I'm right at home with you about that.
2: So that's really interesting. And I, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm really out of the loop on when this was happening versus when it wasn't. So was this for like all talks? Were they pre-edited or was it just Somewhere. for specific stuff?
1: Some were. Some weren't. Um, So some of the talks were very polished very sort like almost like you're watching a ted talk or a youtube video right where there's not a whole lot of what you get on the podcast of me saying uh or uh, mm, uh but you have you know more of a um professional sounding sort of uh start to finish clear cohesive no coughing no ums no errs and then you have the people who were presenting live uh that as with any presentation you're going to get those ums and errs and then you have the people who recorded it ahead of time but didn't do sort of that additional polish and it by it by no means should be a requirement i'm just from my perspective it it was very much one of those things that's like if you are trying to communicate the things that you are researching that goes a long way to um communicating your findings because one it indicates to me that you respect my time it indicates to me that you know you Clearly care about the research that you're doing because you took the extra time to present it in a way that's clear, concise, and uh, not going to be um, filled with filler words like um and er like I'm doing now. You know, so it's to me, I think that is, uh, again, not required, but definitely, definitely goes a long way to communicate your findings.
3: I think the main point here is that whoever did that, we appreciate you. Thank you. Yes, right. <laughs> yes,
1: absolutely. Sounds like it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, all right. Well, I think um, I think that's that's a good discussion there. Blake, did you have any last questions? I know you're going to jump in in the next coming weeks here and, and really get into it, but did you have any other questions for us as someone who didn't attend the event? Maybe some folks who are listening to the show, um, they were on the fence about a virtual event. Are there any questions that you would want to hear uh, as someone who didn't attend yet uh, that wants to no know answers.
2: Yeah, it seems like from a high level, it's overall a pretty positive experience, which is great. And it sounds like there was a lot more opportunity for networking than I think definitely I would have thought. And I think Nick and Rose, you of the same opinion. Um, but it'd be cool to know from both of your perspectives, because we did do a really nice positive spin here What would you like to see improved, let's say, if we went to virtual conferences as a normal thing, or if you went to one next year? What would you like to see change between what you saw this year and the next?
1: Yeah, um, I'll take this one first. So I think one thing for me is, like I mentioned earlier, being able to click on specific talks within these panels and have that video available to me on demand. Um, I think the there were there were some issues with having video on demand on day two even when i wanted to go back and watch some stuff that i missed on day one and i was trying to pack a lot into this week because um you know i wanted to be able to reach out to folks if i needed to uh and so i don't know i almost feel like there's got to be a system solution somewhere where you upload your file and then maybe the panel is like a just it plays all five of those presentations in serial and then opens up a zoom conversation at the end with all the authors like there's there's got to be a way right and and even the chat rooms on some of these discussion panels they were talking about things that happened minutes ago and so you don't have that context and i don't know like i don't if you go back and play the video back i'm not sure if the timestamps match with what you're watching on the screen right so does it show up as it shows up on the screen I don't think it does I think the whole chat is just there and so maybe some sort of chat playback functionality as well Um, and I think a lot of that would actually be solved if you have that chat for each presentation and not necessarily each and not necessarily each panel Um, and that way you know you get that really focused chat and if you know there's back and forth and i don't know if this is like i don't i don't know what this looks like next week when hfes 2020 is over um you know if i go back in here can i still reach out to folks can i still like are they going to get those notifications can the networking continue past this week uh if i go back and watch another presentation you know that that's that's the type of thing that those are the questions that i have as somebody who's attended the conference um I don't know, Rose, what would you change going forward into another virtual format?
3: I would say, and I guess it's more of the recap, right? Like um, having more of those accessibility options in general, like I said, the closed caption or getting people to understand that they should have the audio as well and not go the easy route of just, you know, going through the slides um, on a loop. Um, the other thing would be that we were talking about the cutoffs, right? having some system that you can warn the presenters. Uh, Because I was on the other end and you didn't get any warning unless you were actually paying attention to the watch. And if you're the last person talking, you're not looking at the watch because you're talking. So uh, something like that, you know, it appears uh, that it will let you know. And um, the other thing is you brought up a good point. We don't know how it's gonna look like next week. Like if we wanna keep communicating or doing those peer-to-peer, that's another thing that the program had, right? Like you, you would click and you could set up meetings with people through the platform. So, are we going to still have availability to do that, or you know, look at the list of speakers? Um, maybe have you know one or two more weeks of access to these, or what's going to happen? That's a little bit unclear um, if if there is something like that going on, right? Uh, I know that ErgoX is next week though, so we may still have access. I'm I'm just not sure. Um, and besides that, I would just say with the, the sessions, like you mentioned, the, the chat is the thing, like the chat is always there. So it doesn't matter if you join later, you're just going to see everything. So you don't have that context. So that was something that was a little bit weird on that end.
1: Yeah, I think I think overall it was a great experience. I think there's, there's minor room for improvement, but like... Um... I think you said it at the top, Rose, it, it kind of exceeded expectations in a lot of ways. Um, and you, you could tell that you know, a lot of care and thought was put into the organization of this event. Um, even, even with the like minor annoyances, like cutting off presenters or, or, you know, not being able to um, go back and watch something on day two, you know? So it's like overall good stuff. Blake, any other questions from someone who hasn't attended yet? I'm just really excited to see what
2: it's like post-conference because like I like Nick has said I wasn't able to go really any this week and I'm wondering how much of like the networking aspect will be different or would put like a lot of more load on me to go reach out to somebody through LinkedIn to set up chats and stuff like that but I still think it has a great opportunity to like keep the conversation going because we all are pretty much virtual in a lot of ways so it it I uh, just reach out to somebody through LinkedIn and set up your own kind of conference type of stuff to like learn more, or read somebody's paper or whatever it may be. So it's kind of exciting that again, that finally HFES is going to have this content available to people outside of the conference proper. Uh, cause I think that'll be really beneficial for like you, like some people mentioned for students alone. I mean, I'm going to get massive benefit from it cause I'll be able to review it on my own time type of thing. Um, but thank you both for kind of providing some retrospective on the conference. It's it's always fun to kind of hear that it went a lot better than expectations were, uh, especially in this yeah. new virtual format that HFES had to try out.
1: Yeah, I'll add one more thing. That's kind of like a selfish thing for the podcast. It was really difficult to get a, a hold of anybody for like one-off interviews. Like we had a couple years ago, right at HFES twenty eighteen. I think we were we had our own booth and we had people just left and right come in interviews. It was really difficult this year because a lot of folks were trying to make sure that this virtual event went off without a hitch. And so, you know, we don't have as much coverage, perhaps, from some of the leadership folks. But hopefully, you know, we can, as the conference is now over, we can actually reach out and get some more of those type of content for you all. Um, Yeah, it's... it's uh, It's a great experience, though, overall, so I'm really happy with it. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. So that's it for today, everyone. Let us know what you guys think of this retrospective. Uh, You can join the discussion like many of you have. And thank you so much to everyone who has joined us on our Slack over the last week. It's been a really uh, busy place there lately. Um, You can follow us all over our social channels at Factors Podcast. If you want, you can email us at show at humanfactorscast.com. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can leave us a review on your podcast medium of choice or consider supporting us on Patreon. we got some good content for those of you who like to support us financially. And, of course, you can always reach us at our home on the web, humanfactorscast.com. I want to thank Rose. Where uh, Are you on LinkedIn? Can our listeners find you there?
3: Yes, yes, I am on LinkedIn. Um, it would Great. be Rose, Rose up. <laughs>
1: I'll put a link in the description below. And Yadriana's also on LinkedIn. We'll put uh, her link there as well. Uh, Blake Arnsdorf, where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about what it's like to not be at a conference while all your friends are experiencing some fun stuff without you?
2: I know. You guys can find me in the Human Factors Cast Slack at Blake or across social media at Don't Panic
1: UX. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning in Human Factors Cast. Until next time, get it depends. Fans.